Welcome to a live preaching message from the Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, New York City. Kadesh Family Church, Manhattan, is the Apache of the Kadesh Family Churches in North America, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively for present-day living. Our aim is to provide solid foundation of Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to preach and teach the gospel wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message.
unto the Lord. Hallelujah. How marvelous, how wonderful is our Savior's love for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray over the offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are indeed grateful for this opportunity that we have to sow into your kingdom. Bless the seeds in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. It's time for the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Shall we rise to our feet as we welcome Lady Pastor Elaine to bring us the word. Hallelujah. Marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, marvelous, how wonderful is my song. Thank you, Kofi. Okay. Um, Kofi is confusing me already. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. It is my prayer that today you will give us understanding of your word. You will give direction to our lives and that you will bring us light. It is my prayer that today we will understand more about this great salvation that you have made available to all of us and to the whole world. We thank you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Reverend is, um, sends his greetings. He preached, I believe, at uh, the QFC branch, or is it a mega church branch in Sampa Valley in Accra earlier on today. He sends his greetings and... Um, He'll be away for maybe roughly a week, God willing, but by, by, by about this time next week, he should be on his way back. So you have to make do with who is available to preach. So Reverend says that I should continue his series on how you can preach salvation. I remember when I got this book um, that the bishop had written, was, I'd heard about the book. And one of the things that it has occurred to me as I've read the book is that 
as a pastor, I really don't know how to preach salvation in different ways. You know, we all know, like we know John 3, 16 and 17. But if you take us a little beyond John 3, 16 and 17, preaching salvation becomes um, it's, it's challenging. And, we, and because of that, we have magnified other messages in the word of God. And we know so much about those other messages. We know so much about what Jesus said about women. We know what he said about marriage. We know what he said about tithing. We know what he said about prosperity. We know what he said about deliverance. You think of all the topics that anyone who has been a shepherd in church or a serious Christian in any Bible-believing church can preach at length about. But if someone was to ask any of us to come up with how many messages does Bishop have in this book? There are over 100 messages on pure salvation. And, and he can prove to you right from, from the introduction that it's Bible, that the Bible, that the, the, the core message of the Bible and that the central message of the Bible is salvation. Salvation is not something that we are supposed to leave to some zealous brother who doesn't quite seem correct to us. Salvation is part of a pastor's work and is still part of every Christian's work. So don't be disturbed by how long the series has been. I believe that our bishop is doing something very important in this book in reorienting all of us to think about salvation. So before I start preaching this particular salvation message that um, uh, I want, I'm just going to share with you from the Bible and from the book, I want to talk to you about a few phrases that he says in chapter one. Chapter one is the pure message of salvation. The pure message of salvation. Salvation is a miracle. Salvation is the greatest transformative miracle of the Holy Spirit. And you see, when you first read it, you're like, salvation is a miracle? I thought the blind had to see for there to be a miracle. I thought some money had to come onto my phone for there to be a miracle. I thought I had to be delivered for, from something for there to be a miracle. But he says that salvation is the greatest transformative miracle of the Holy Spirit. Because think about it, salvation moves you and I and everybody on earth, whoever they are, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus, that except a man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. But we have made that of no consequence in the church of God. And everything else is a miracle. Every breakthrough we get is a miracle. You get me? But salvation itself, we don't see it as a miracle. And you can tell by how many newcomers are in the service. Because if we thought of salvation as the greatest miracle, our efforts to even invite people to church, talk to people in our workplaces, talk to strangers on the bus, we will have more energy if we thought it was a miracle. But do we think it is a miracle? I kept on asking myself as I read the book, do I think it is such a great miracle? No, we can all teach about many things, but salvation is a miracle. So the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us, unto us by them that heard him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? There's a medical student in New York City who comes into church. And whenever I see her, I remember this verse because her father was a zealous Christian on my college campus. 
And the first time I heard this verse, he was the one quoting it. And he quoted it till it annoyed quite everybody in the group. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You used to wonder, who is this brother who can't find any other verse to quote? But her father was like that. You see, and he always knew these verses, how shall we escape? And he would come and preach about condemnation for anybody who hasn't won souls that week. You get me? You didn't invite anybody to the fellowship meeting. You didn't do that. Every time I see her, I remember her dad. Every time I see her, I remember her dad. Because that's what he was like. It's not surprising to me that on his own, he has a church. On his own, he still prays. On his own, I mean... He, he, he knew all these weird verses in the Bible, but they are not weird verses. They are part of the Bible. They talk about salvation. They don't talk about prosperity. They don't talk about dominion. They don't talk about deliverance. They don't talk about a happy marriage. It's Bible. It's called Bible. And I remember sometime last year, I heard Bishop saying that it's amazing that a generation that has spent so much time on marriage seminars, teaching about marriage, understanding marriage, written books on marriage, we are probably the worst generation of Christians to be examples of marriage. The divorce rate in the church of God is, they say, as high as it is in the world. And yet, we talk about it all the time. You get what I'm saying? And older Christians who didn't teach it, but just did their normal work of God, they managed to be married for 50 years, they managed to be married for 60 years. They managed to be married for 70 years. Yes, they knew the verses on marriage, but that was not the only thing they did. They also preached salvation. They preached the core message of the Bible. And, and, and then he goes on in chapter 1. He talks about 1 Timothy 1, 11 and 12. He says, 1 Timothy 1, 11 and 12, please. He says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He counted me faithful. Then Bishop asks, are you, have you been faithful, as you are reading the book, with the gospel of salvation? Do you even think about the gospel of salvation? Or church has become a different thing altogether for you. It's what am I getting out of it? Do you even think about your own salvation? I mean, you know, like what it took for Christ to die for you. And what, I mean, I ask myself, do I think about my own salvation? Do I think about what it cost Christ to die on the cross for my sins? Do I think about what it should cost me to love him and serve him? So the first chapter goes on and on and on. Then he says that one day he, he asked himself, how many sermons can you get out of John 3.16? There was a time when, Every Christian knew John 3.16. These days, I'm not so sure that every Christian will know John 3.16. You get me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, whosoever is a very powerful thing. It means that the racist neighbor, that racist neighbor of yours, who makes it very clear at every housing association meeting that he cannot stand black people, does not want black people in the neighborhood, it means that he's included. It means that he's included. It means that that tribe that your father told you that nobody in this house can marry from, it means that they are included. It means that it doesn't matter what somebody did to you. If they are every single person on the face of the earth, 
No matter what you and I think of the person, no matter what they did to us, it's included. The, 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 uh, there's Times Square Chapel in New York City. Their pastor who passed away, he, he wrote a book about, um, I think it was called The Cross and the Switchblade. I, I, I think that's what it was called, Nick by Nick. There was, a, I think, Nicky Cruz, he talked about saving drug addicts. You get me? And sometimes I wonder, are we living in the same New York that they preached in? Because when you watch the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, they tell you that they have this massive choir from drug addicts, from penniless people, from homeless people. And you see, you can't blame us. We ourselves, we are immigrants. And, and some of these people, we are scared of them. But um, they are all included. They are all included in whosoever believeth. And then he said that, Someone said he learned, a famous evangelist said he learned to preach effectively because he said, if you can, he said that the person preached effectively from, I think the man's name was Henry Morehouse, and he preached for seven nights only from John 3.16. Hey, shepherds and pastors of today, we would have been in serious trouble. There's no marriage, no, no marriage, no, nothing to tell people about their wives. There's nothing to say about their wives cooking. There's nothing to tell, say about the, the, uh, what the wives did, what the wives didn't do. Mercy on the wives. There's nothing to say to the husbands. There's nothing to say to anybody. John 3, 16, seven nights. And the man preached. And those people, they didn't lack members. Amazingly enough. Because God's work, when you're doing it his way, somehow, miraculously, people come in, people's needs are met. You see, when you are obeying the word of God, nobody's saying that that's the only thing that should be preached. But Bishop is saying that we shouldn't go so far from it that when you start talking about salvation, it sounds so strange. Because I count, when the Reverend said I speak about salv uh, salvation, I said, hey. So I went to count the number of weeks in my notes. I said, do you know you have preached it like six or seven times already? He just, he has a way of not answering questions if he's not going to change his mind. So he didn't say anything. I said, I said so I counted one, two, three, four, five. I said, ah, it's, series is four to six. He still didn't say anything, so I decided that. I guess um, that's what it is. You're just preaching salvation again. And as I began to read the book, you see, you even realize how much you do not know about a topic you think you know about. You get me? You really, you, you, because a lot of the time, we all assume we know so much about something. Then I realized that, okay, I knew it was divided into sections. Salvation and the love of God. Salvation and choices. So... Today, I want to ask, I want, I'm going to take another message from that section which says salvation and choices. And I want to talk about Lot's wife. So we are still talking about how you can preach salvation, but the subtitle is Remember Lot's Wife. Luke 17 and 32. Remember Lot's wife. I remember the first time I heard this verse, I found it very funny. I wasn't a very, I mean, I was a new Christian. I must have been about 17 or whatever. And the, we had this physics teacher, and his wife taught literature, yeah. And his wife was our teacher, and um, she was a good teacher, but she, you could easily fall asleep in her class. And her class was one of those classes which was very difficult. Anybody who studied English lit literature, um, there's a section of it called prose. It's so boring, the books are so old, the books are so interesting, and there's always something morbid going on. And then it is taught by this woman who doesn't raise her voice. You get me? She speaks in a monotone on a hot afternoon 
in the tropics, and she's teaching A-level pros. And you are wondering why, oh, why? Where did this woman come from? And I wasn't from that school. In my old school, the people who taught literature were quite dramatic. And that was one of the reasons why we fell in love with both English and literature. But in this school, hey, I said, where, did, where is this woman from? The thing is already boring. There was a book, if you've ever read some of those books, Tests of the Devils by Thomas Hardy. How can, right now, I don't even know how we read it. I mean, it shows how young we were. I mean, when I meet people who actually own such things voluntarily, because there's no way, I like reading, but there's no way I'll own anything Thomas Hardy wrote voluntarily. So somebody says, it's because English is not really your language. It's something you learned. And she had this husband who the science students loved because he taught physics with a passion. So one day they said he was preaching. And then he stands up in the chapel and he says, remember Lord's wife. And the message he preached that day, I so when I opened the book and I said, remember Lord's wife, I said, today I will also preach, remember Lord's wife. <laughs> you see, because when someone, and he understood his Bible, and we used to, I mean, in the sixth form class, we used to joke that opposites really attract, because the man was as interesting as his wife was not. <laughs> you see, but people said, and, and by any time you saw them together, they were always chatting and laughing. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? And when you are younger, you have an opinion about all these things. But when you grow older, you will, because, I mean, and, and he had the whole school interested in the sermon. And it wasn't a school where people were interested in sermons. But he could teach physics and still teach the word of God. And that was the thing about him. And then his wife would be teaching English literature and everybody would be sleeping. Meanwhile, you have to pass it and you have to wake up and you have to understand. So try not to sleep. Reverend will be back in two weeks. I told you that you are not supposed to sleep when the wife is preaching. That's why I told you the story. Remember Lord's wife. Luke 17, 32. That's the reason for the story. So, um, um, Bishop says in his book, the first thing we have to remember about Lot's wife is that when you remember her, you have to remember that she had a great opportunity to be saved. She had this great opportunity to be saved. You get me? Because she was living in a difficult place. She was living in this place where a lot of sin was rampant. Let's, let's, read, let's read the story right from the Bible. Genesis chapter 19. I want to start from verse 15. Let's read through it quickly, then we know the background right from the Bible. Um, and when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid, you see, even when we are being warned, that um, the city is going to be destroyed. That's phleg phlegmatic people. Everything is done slowly. You get what I'm saying? There is a good, there's some good in that, in, in that you don't do things hastily and you don't make mistakes. But sometimes life is at stake. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife. The man can't lead himself, let alone lead a wife. But the angels, God had mercy on him. So the angels held him, they held his wife, and then they held his children. Hey, there are types of leaders. You have to lead the person, the wife, and then the children. And then, and, and you can easily get into trouble when you have to lead people like that. The Lord being merciful unto him. And it's the Lord's mercy. Sometimes we don't even see when we are not leading ourselves properly. 
and God is letting someone lead us. Then we are angry with the person who is leading us. But distraction is coming. Distraction is coming. The city was about to be consumed. You see, you and I can't imagine it because we live in these modern times where, but I'm sure we can, like if those of us who remember 9-11, you get me? If you remember 9-11, in one day, what places that you think could not come down came down. So something like that is about to happen. Can you imagine if you were in the towers that day? There was a church, there was a church member in Manhattan who was in the tower that day. Yeah, Jasmine, right? That was her name. Yeah, she was in the tower that day. You get me? And, and um, you see, and you knew, and you were told that at this time, the planes are going to hit, are going to hit the tower. Would you have stayed there? But this person is being told that distraction is coming. And as he's being told, he's still lingering. It's like, is, is it going to be that bad? Uh, shouldn't we stay? You see, we just bought new furniture. We just bought this house. We just changed our cars. And, and, and as for his wife, she was thinking about the shoes in the closets and the, the servants she wouldn't have anymore and the friends she couldn't go to lunch with. How, why do you linger when they say distraction is coming? But Lot was capable of that. And, and some of us, all of us, sometimes that's how we are in our lives. The Bible, the word of God is warning us. It's saying that distraction is coming. If you keep on doing this, if you keep on sitting in this situation, distraction is coming. Right from when we were born again, distraction is coming. But we linger around distraction and we linger. And then sometimes God's mercy takes us out of it. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass. It always comes to pass. When they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Now, now you have even the coming forth. You didn't come yourself. You didn't make any efforts. Now when you were brought out of the distraction, now that there are, that's some of us. We are born again. And then as we have been brought out of being the world, now the word of God is being given to us. And that, that too, we don't want to obey it. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. How difficult an instruction is this. You see, for those of us who are vertically challenged, if you ask us to reach something very high up, you have worried us. Because in our homes, we keep enough stools in strategic places to pick up stools and pick up what we need to pick up. But this instruction is not difficult for you, whether you are young, old, vertically challenged, tall, I mean, however you are, I mean, do not look behind you. Everybody has a neck. It means don't turn it. Don't look behind you. It means let thine eyes look straight before thee. You get me? So, neither stay thou in, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lord said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. God has sent angels from heaven to come and tell you that this distraction is coming upon this city. And the city, he wasn't even happy in it. And he's saying that, no, it's not possible that all these bad things are coming to happen. You see, people who are phlegmatic are also like that. They don't easily believe, they are not easily excited, and then they are not also easily worried. <laughs> you, you get me? They, they are very temperate. They are so temp, and sometimes you envy them because you have both extremes. You can get very excited, and then you can get very worried and down. They don't have it. They are calm all the time. Even when distraction is coming, they are calm. 
The same way they can't be excited, that same way they cannot be worried. It's a gift, I tell you. If you are not like that, you cannot understand how the person is like that. Behold now, thy servant had, thy servant had found grace in thy sight. Please give me a more reader-friendly version. It's making a complicated story more difficult. Um, can we try message? Let's try message. If it's not working, we'll, ch- we'll change it. Okay. Hey, but the only thing about message is that then it makes the reading very long. But Lot protested. No, masters, you can't mean it. How do you say they can't mean it? They were sent from heaven to you. I know that you've taken a liking to me and have done me an immense favor in saving my life. But I can't run for the mountains. I can't. I can't run. Person has decided that me, Lot, I can't run. Running means that you have to move faster than walking. He says, I can't run. I mean, you want to ask him, did you even try to run? Sometimes that's how we are with the word of God. Did you even try what the Bible said? I can't have my quiet time every morning. I can't pray at dawn. I can't fast. I can't come to church regularly. I can't, you see, you have just decided, I can't do it. I can't run for the mountains. If trouble is coming, I think everybody's supposed to be able to run. Or the science students tell us that there's something called adrenaline. You get me? Huh? So, so it's, when it, it's supposed to kick in. So that even if you don't usually run, you are supposed to be able to run. Because this one, trouble is coming. It's not even like uh, uh, Auntie May said that uh, we are doing biggest loser. So you have to try and go to the gym. That one, <laughs> you can pay your $20 and still not go to the gym. You get what I'm saying? Because when you think about it, I mean, oh, this uh, is too difficult now. They are making life too difficult. So you tell yourself that I am too old for all these things. But this one, distraction is coming. And you still say, I can't run for the mountains. Who knows what terrible thing might happen to me in the mountains and leave me for dead. But distraction is coming where you are. Won't you just have some faith that it's God who is saying go to the mountains. So the mountains must be safer than where you are. Yes, the mountains will have challenges. Yes, you'll be tired by the time you get there. Yes, your whole body may be hurting by the time you get there. Maybe the food in the mountain will be different. We are told that at different altitudes, even oven temperatures and things are different for cooking. So, yes, life will change in the mountains. But at least in the mountain, you'll be safe. At least in the mountain, you'll be safe. At the very least, because God told you to go there, at least there you are safe. But no. Look over there. That town is close enough to get to. That's another thing about phlegmatics. Easy life. It's a small town. Hardly anything is. Not much. We don't, also don't need many things in life. You, after that one, you have to... Bible says contentment. It's, it's a mucho... It's, it exists in abundance. And it's a good trait to have, to be content. Let me escape there and save my life. It's a mere wide place in the road. Why do you want a mere wide place in the road? Why do you want a small town when God says go to the mountain? God has more for you on the mountain. God had greater plans for your life. But you want to go the least distance possible for safety. I've been saved. It's okay. Don't want to travel further on this road of being saved. It's too difficult to do anything that will take me further down the road of serving God. 19. All right, Lot, if you insist, I'll let you have your way. 
and I won't stamp out the town you've spotted. But hurry up, run for it. I can't do anything until you get there. That's why the town was called Zoar. That's that a small town. The God is giving you a mountain, you like Zoar. No aims, no ambitions, no desire for anything great in God. It's okay. As I am, it's fine. Please, can we go back? I think I've missed something. Or, okay, 22, please. 22, please. Uh, this is 23. Did I read? The message is combining. Okay. The sun was high in the sky when Lord Lot arrived at Zohar. 24. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah. A river of lava from God out of the sky. You can be recently, there was all this trouble in Hawaii. And when you are watching it moving from beneath the earth, even as a Christian, you can see that, yes, hell must be real. The way the coasts are moving and it, fire is falling on cars and different stuff and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. Can you imagine? It destroyed the cities the entire plain, everyone who lived in the cities, and everything that grew from the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. The only instruction she was given, you get me? She wasn't even, it's like the mountain, the instruction to go to the mountain, she wasn't even told. Because God was speaking to the head of the house. Her only <laughs> instruction was not to look back. That was a general one. And she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And just help yourself. So Bishop has a message here in five different parts. I'm going to try and get to as much of it as I can today. Because it's a short verse. We want to finish it in one day. But I read the passage so that we all have the background more vividly in our minds as I'm talking about it. So he says that to remember Lot's wife, number one, is to remember that Lot's wife had a great opportunity to be saved. You get me? He had a, she had a great opportunity to be saved. Abraham had prayed, if you know the book of Genesis, and Abraham had prayed and stood in the gap, and Lot and his whole family, angels had been sent to save them. So it's an opportunity to be saved. The same way you and I, all of us, one day salvation knocks on your door in a special way, and you hear it. And God is waiting for you to present that same opportunity to your next door neighbor, to your friend, to the people around you, to the, to the ministry you have, to constantly win souls for Jesus. Salvation must always be presented to someone around us. We must always pray for salvation. And when, when, when you, you don't find so many people to preach to or you don't see it a certain way and someone is raising, you know, partners for Ben MP or they are raising partners so that they can go to remote parts of countries that some of us come from, the least you can do, $10 a month. $10 a month so that somebody in some remote part of Africa can hear the gospel. You know, at a point I stopped looking at some of the um, posts on social media because when you think that it's a country, how big is, is Ghana? That there are places in Ghana that there are no roads to get to. That tracks are inching and getting spots. Where we live here in this country, 
You see, one of the signs of greatness is that there's a road everywhere. Everywhere there is a road. If you've had a chance to travel, it's not only in the city that there's a road. Everywhere there's a road. Every little hamlet, every little town has a paved road. It may, you may laugh when you see the post office because it will look like something out of the 1800s. Look at something out of an old movie. You get what I'm saying? But they will have a road. They will have a hospital. They will have a post. I remember Reverend had a flatmate who moved to Maine. And when the children were younger, we drove to Maine, literally on the border with Canada. Michelle, that's, that's on the border with Canada, not Caroline's house. Okay. That border of Canada is Maine and places like that. When Michelle was making the announcement about the women's meeting, she said, we are practically going to Canada. <laughs> that's, that's Maine borders Canada, not Hopewell Junction, New York. So, how did I get there? Okay, so we are talking about paved roads and uh, places like that. So a sign of development is not just the fact that amongst all these skyscrapers and all these things, there's development. When you get there, yes, it's not New York City, but everything you need is there. I live in a small town in Pennsylvania, and sometimes when people visit me, depending on how they come, they say, hey, are there stores here? Somebody asked me recently, are there shops here? So everything you need is here. It's not in New York City, but everything you need is here. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? Then sometimes I tell people that, then sometimes when I'm watching television and it's flickering a lot, I say, hey, this village. <laughs> this village, because TV in New Jersey is not like that. You can be watching the TV, then it goes dark, then it will come back, then it goes dark, then it comes back. Sometimes when I'm leading dumb prayer, then... Uh, everyone texts me, nobody can hear your voice. <laughs> no means the phone. Because <laughs> you are in the forest and the mountains somewhere. But there is still a road going to the place. Everything you, you need basically as a human being is there. But we, there are places in this world. You saw them inching along. Sometimes when they are driving through the waters and the muddy water. Hey, you see... We all come from those, I, mean, I come from Ghana. I've never been to the north of Ghana. Recently, I had a friend whose father was um, a chief, a, a, quite a, because we say in Africa, a big chief. When he says a big chief, it means that the traditional area is an important, okay, big is not like bad English, but an important chief, and her father passed away. If I show you the pictures on social media, I think it must be Navrongo is what, Upper West or Upper East? If you see the pomp and the pageantry for burying him, you get me? And she was our classmate, so some of our classmates went up there to bury him. But we can have all those things and still have no development. Navrongo is even some of the better parts of those places. These places are beyond, beyond those places. You get me? And somebody is willing to go there and go and tell the people that Jesus loves you. And you have come so far, you and I want to say that we have come so far in our Christianity that these days we only pray for prosperity and we only pray for deliverance and we only pray for money. What verse is that? And then the person who is doing this is the person that we say is a weirdo. And then the person that we say lacks anointing. Because you see, remember Lot's wife. It's a very short verse, but if your Bible is a good Bible, it's in red. It's, it's part of the words of Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, remember Lot's wife. 
Jesus is the one who wants us to think of all these people in what the, the British used to call, the, I, mean, I mean, there's a, this British phrase, uh, God-forsaking places. There's actually no such thing as a God-forsaken place. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he wants the gospel to be preached in all of it. And we all have the opportunity to be saved and to help others to be saved. And if at least you don't have so many people around you who have never heard the gospel, look, even around us, a lot of people don't hear the gospel. People don't know too much about Jesus Christ. The pure gospel of salvation. People don't know too much about it. Just begin to pray about telling people about it. You'll find out that from students to the oldest people, people don't know about the pure gospel of salvation. That Jesus loves me. That he died on the cross for my sins. That when I die, I can be with him in heaven. That he forgives me all my sins, no matter what I have done on this earth. The Bible says, though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come, let us reason together. It doesn't matter where you are coming from. It doesn't matter what corner of the earth. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter. Jesus is not like us. Jesus is not a racist. Jesus is not tribalistic. Come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. You see, we have the same opportunity that Lord's wife did. To be saved and then to preach the gospel and then to help the people who preach the gospel. Because the Bible says, how can they go unless they are sent? Sending is not just words. Sending is not just mental ascent. Sending can must cost you and I something for being so blessed. You see, you don't count yourself blessed because it's a long time since you queued for that visa. If you came by visa. However you came, assuming that you came on a visa and that you had a flight number. It's a long time since you were standing behind some large, it was probably the largest, one of the largest buildings in your country. You get what I'm saying? And there's usually a queue around it. It has more security than even where your president lives. And as you are going in, you are really praying because all roads lead to New York and you are really praying. It's been a long time, so you're forgetting how blessed you are. You get me? But this is more important than even those prayers you pray to be able to come here. So he, being here, the land of the free and the home of the brave, nine miles from heaven, whatever description you want to give it, you get me? Just remember that to remember Lord's wife is to accept the fact that she had a great opportunity to be saved and so have you and I. And then now it's our responsibility to pass the message on, the message of salvation. To remember Lord's wife is to remember how God has sent people to help you and to minister to you. I read the whole story so that we can move fast at this point. He sent angels. Even when he wouldn't move, he made the people, he gave them compassion to hold them. Some of us, you know, the way we pastor people from a distance you get what I'm saying? You hold the person and then you take the person out of the distraction because the person himself is either too phlegmatic or too disinterested in his own or her own deliverance. And even that one we won't do. You see, criticism alone won't do it. When I was reading the story, actual help for the person 
to move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Actual help for the people you are shepherding to be able, the Bible says, for whom I again traveled until Christ be formed in them. You, there's something must give. So it will cost you something for Christians to be birthed. It will cost you something for the sheep that you have to become like you or greater than you. When you watch anybody, um, I think it was Apostle Dodo I heard saying once that, unfortunately, most of us are not as, as strong as our father or our mother. You get what I'm saying? Uh, it's only when we are teenagers and young adults that you think that you are like your mother. You start living, you will see that. There's a difference between you and your mother. More often than not. Very few people can do what their mother did. Very few people can do what their father did. It's a, it's a great blessing to have children who can do what you do and more. And I'm not just talking about spiritually. You can have everything. Be capable of doing so much and have children who can do so little. Somehow, there's just something about children whose parents can do so much that can easily turn them into nothing. You get me? It's one of those things that I am so glad Apostle Joel told me. He came to our, uh, we lived in Pennsylvania some years back and then we moved to Jersey. And he came into that house and he looked around. And he, Apostle Joel can say surprising things. And he said to me, Elaine, what in this place can make Kwame become like his father? And I've never forgotten the phrase. Because when a man of God speaks even casually, you must think about it. He said, what on earth? in this house can make Kwame become like his father. And before you can think of the answer, he's talking about something else. But somehow, I never forgot the phrase. What, what, I mean, what can make him become like his father? You have to think about it. You have to pray about it. Not even just spiritually, physically, in every way. What can make him become like his father? And I remember the Apostle Dodo saying that most of us are weaker than our parents. And it's true. If you don't pray, your children, even what is good about you, they will not be able to do. Because there's something about a person for whom everything is easy. That is easily not like the person ahead of them. There's just something. You don't even know how it happens. Even when you think you are being strict. Even when you think you are laying down the law. Still, the person is not like you. Person is not becoming like you. It's not easy to make somebody like you. When you try disciplining children, you will see that your mother was a great mother. Because you, her children, did not do the things your children do. I don't know whether it has occurred to any of the mothers here before. That in your house, nobody didn't make the, did not, I mean, you don't wake up and not make your bed. That in your house, when the house has to be cleaned in the morning, you don't say, I'll do it later. To who are you saying you'll do it later to? It will not even occur to you. But you all the time, your children say, they'll do it later. You can't say anything. Even when you talk, they don't mind you. That's, that, that's the difference between you and your mother. That is the difference between you and your mother. Your mother did not have any child who could disobey her to her face. Your children just look at you, they, they smile. You are blessed if they don't... You are blessed if they don't, at least they, your, your children don't curse and they don't insult you and they don't use four letter words, but they, have, they don't do much of what you say. That's the difference between you and your mother. Your mother was not as educated as you, but her, none of her children, including yourself, it would not occur to you. When you talk, your children laugh. When you call them, they say, I'll call you later. 
if there were cell phones when I, li when I was growing up, you would never tell my mother you call her later. Never. Never. You would never tell her you call her later. It would never occur to you. When she calls you, you will answer. <laughs> I'm sure some of the mothers in the house know what I'm talking about. Hey, you will never tell anybody to do their chores on Saturday morning and they'll tell you they'll do it in the night. It will never happen. Yeah, that's the difference between you and your mother. It means she was a better mother. She was a better disciplinarian. She raised better children than the ones you are raising. It's just a fact. But when you were growing up, you thought you would do better than her. You think your children are a sign that you are struggling. You are struggling to catch up. Your children are a sign that you are struggling to catch up. And you are still praying for them. Even these are the ones who are not using drugs, not doing anything obviously bad. You pray that what you see is actually what is actually happening. But even that one, you are not like your mother. So, to remember lost wife is to remember that you must forsake the sins of the world. So help the people around you, okay? Help the younger people around you. Hold people's hands when their hands need to be held. Move them from one place to the other like the angels God sent. Help people. Remember that God sent people to help you. At crucial times in my life, God sent ministers to help me. One of the people who has helped me probably more than anybody in the 20-something years I've lived in this country is Apostle Joel. I can never say it enough. At a time when I could have gone mad, he was always there for me. He was always there for me. He would listen. He would counsel. He would be strict. He would say, you can't just cry. You have to rise up. You have to move on. You have to do this. You have to do that. When nobody else could reach me, he could. You get me? And so I owe the fact that I can be strong in difficult times to him. Because the people I knew, the bishops and the others, they didn't live here. And, and there was a time when it wasn't so easy to call back and forth. The day you actually need to talk to somebody because before you go mad, eh, there's nobody you can reach where you want to talk to someone. You get me? So hold someone's hand in their difficulties and then especially let's help them save the world. To remember Lord's wife is to remember that you must forsake the sins of the world. You see, this is one of the verses I've never seen in the Bible because I don't like reading books like Ezekiel. You know, sometimes you see a book, the book is about salvation. It's like it's all John 3, 16. It's a lot of the book you don't know about. Ezekiel 16, verses 49 to 40. Ezekiel chapter 16. Um, please, can someone tell me how much time I have? Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 to 50. It says that... No, it's... It's not six, uh, did I say 16? 49, please, not four. 49 to 50, 16, 49, one six is correct, but I need verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Verse 50, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Um, message or, yeah, I think the message Bible, please. Same verse. 
49. 49, please, in the message Bible, if you have it. The sin of your sister Sodom was this. She lived with her daughters in the lap of luxury. Proud, gluttonous, and lazy. They ignored the oppressed and the poor. They put on airs and lived obscene lives. And you know what happened. I did away with them. Verse 50. And Samaria. No, not 51, please. Just 50. I read 50. It's combined. Okay, thank you. Okay, so 49 and 50. So he says that here that to remember Lord's wife, the third thing to remember about Lord's wife is to remember that you must forsake the sins of the world. And he says that this, the sins of Sodom were pride, fullness of bread, and idleness. Pride, fullness of bread, idleness. Everybody, you think about the three things. Think about how it applies to your life. And know that God has a way of doing away with us when we walk in pride, when we walk in. You know, we, are, we have everything we need. And so it's like we don't need God and we don't need to really obey him anymore. And um, we, we live where we live and we have what we have. And, and then we teach it to our children. Uh, like I said, our children are even worse than us because they don't even have some of the origins some of us do. The fourth thing to remember about Lord's wife is to remember that you will lose your salvation if you love this present world. world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, love not the world. When we used to have night schools and stuff, it's a verse everybody's supposed to know, right? Love not the world. No, I prefer that in the King James. It's easier to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You get me? For all that is in the world. Somebody was quoting it. Go on quoting it. For all that is in the world. The last of the flesh. Or is it, does it have the pride of life or the last of the flesh? The last of the flesh and the last of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You get me? So if you have that, if we have that and we say we don't have it, God does away with us. Those were the sins in, the sins in Sodom. But you see, we like to think of Sodom and we think of only one thing. But it had all these other things there. It says, so we have to forsake that kind of living. You lose your salvation. You lose your... See, Sodom represented... I'm reading from Bishop's book now. Sodom represents the world. And Lot's wife could not help turning back to look at what she loved. When you love something and you are living it, you get what I'm saying? You can't help but turn back. Her heart was in Sodom. That is why she looked back. When your heart is in something, you can't leave it alone. To remember Lord's wife is to remember not to give your heart to this world. That's, some, that's something we all have to answer to ourselves. In which way am I giving my heart to the world? You, 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 get, you get what I'm saying? In which way do I live as though the world and what it, ha it has is more than anything God has for me? To remember, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Where? In heaven. No. The verse in this present world. Titus 2, 11 and 12. You see, we don't like verses like that. That's why we don't, we don't know them. We don't like them. Titus 2, 11. When I looked at it, I was like, mm, is, that, is that verse really, I mean, 
But we know the verses in Titus that talk about marriage and stuff like that. But this one, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, including you and I, teaching us that, teaching us that we should have every breakthrough we need, teaching us that we should make more money than we have ever dreamt about, teaching us that if you don't live in a particular area, you are not counted among the Christians, teaching us that every prayer we pray should be answered, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in heaven when we are over 50. In this present world, it applies to everybody. Um, I wonder what the message says, but I think this is clear enough, but you g- please give us a more modern translation. It's an interesting verse. It's not a verse I've ever paid much attention to. Teaching us that. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God. I think the verse speaks for itself, right? And then the last thing, to remember Lot's wife is to remember that if you turn back, you will be destroyed. Anyone who rejects God is destroyed. You see, we don't like that. We like the part where even when you say you don't want to go, the angels hold your hand. And then they lead you out. And then even when they leave you out and you say, I don't feel like going to the mountain. Because you, you do. the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit. But you want to be led by your feelings. I can't run. I don't run. My roommates once told someone, I don't run. I don't run. I mean, she's, she's a lady. She doesn't run. So the, the person too, because she was an, she, 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 even, even when she was younger, she could be intimidating. She's a very tiny person. She said, I don't run. And so the person said, so please hurry up. You see, depending on who you are, when you say something, nobody minds you. And then depending on who you are, even, she's, she's quite a tiny person. You get me? And she still said, I don't run. Yes. Can't tell me to run. To remember Lot's wife is to remember that if you turn back, you will be destroyed. Anyone who rejects God is destroyed. Genesis 19.26 says, But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. She be- in, the, in the children's Bible that I read when I was a kid, you know, the thing about children's Bible is that they are really great. I, I realized that even though nobody in my house was any Bible-believing type of a Christian, those children's Bibles, you, they, they stick, the pictures stick in your head. I've told everybody, we had this Sunday school teacher. He was an engineer trained in the U.S. or the U.K. And um, the, the grown-ups in the town used to joke that he was homosexual because he wasn't married and he didn't chase any girls. He got married, I think, later on when we were older. And he would gather all the children in the town and teach us on Sunday morning. And they would be sleeping after going to nightclubs and stuff. You get me? So it's like, who is this young man who gathers little children? Whose parents don't even, whose parents take them to church twice a year? But somehow, all the kids from those times, everybody somehow in their teenage years found them their way into a church like this. So that man had something. One of the people I grew up with said they went to look for him recently. And, and he was, there was nothing wrong with him. He wasn't gay. He got married. He had children. 
He was just a Christian. And so since the Christians, the grown-ups around him didn't listen, and for us, he was our next-door neighbor. So we were among the first kids he would take along. So when you see the children going to Sunday school, it's not nothing. You, 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 you get what I'm saying? It's something. Somebody, when, when you see, and especially these days when there are all these tablets on which children are learning every, everything they shouldn't learn, gear your children towards social media and the word of God because it's also a tool that we can use. Like Bishop says, it's a witty invention and it helps a whole lot. There was a time when if you needed to study your Bible and you wanted to move from translation to translation, you needed four or five big Bibles around you, you needed to invest in the dicks, you needed to have a, this concordance. Right now, every other, other, you just tap and you are there. You just click and you are there. You just, it, it, it facilitates the study of the word of God in the way. So our children should have that. You, you get what I'm saying? We should be interested in that part of it as well. Because I remember how the picture, when I was reading this, I remembered Pillar of Salt. I remembered Uncle Soa. That's, that was his name. We, that's what we called him. Uncle Soa. And God, Soa was his last name, and he wasn't related. I mean, as one of my sons said, where my mommy and my daddy come from, every grown-up is an auntie or an uncle. <laughs> the, the person was six or seven years old, though, and he's, I think someone was coming to our house from the Newark church. And he said, Uncle Ben. Then the neighbor's son said, that's your uncle? Which side? And he's like, where my mommy and my daddy come from? Every grown-up is an auntie or an uncle. I almost killed him, but when I thought about it, I, thought, well, I realized that it was true. Where, where my mommy and my daddy come from? Please. This is like, hey, your person is seven or eight or something like that. You are explaining to your friend next door that where my mommy and my daddy come from. <laughs> where my mommy and my daddy come from. But Lord's wife, when I thought about it, I realized that the, 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 the child was telling the truth. You can't crucify people for telling the truth. But Lord's wife, you, you hear me? she became a pillar of salt. I remember how white and dead she became. I, frozen, you know, like in this past, they have ice sculptures. Frozen like that. Lifeless, dead, everything is gone. And Bishop says that we always have to remember. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you will never reject Christ again. But because you and I don't preach the gospel, a lot of people are becoming pillars of salt. A lot of people are rejecting Christ. It's a warning for us, yes. But go beyond the warning for you, for you and accept that you, you live enough of a Christian life and you are fine. Like, I mean, we, we, that's what we pray, that's what we believe. But think about all the people who will turn away from God, even as maybe Christians who are not so strong. I spoke about how sometimes you feel that somebody is too weak a Christian and you don't want to waste your time on the person. You see, if somebody had done that to you in your time of need, like I was telling you about myself, I wouldn't be where I am today. I was telling somebody that these days, even when I want to cry, the tears don't come. No, 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 no. no. I can be as sad as what? Nothing happens. It stopped crying a long time ago because somebody bothered even when it looked as though, why bother? She will cry anyway. Why bother? She's not a strong Christian anyway. Why bother? He's not a strong Christian anyway. Still pray for the person. Still stand in the gap for the person. Still talk to the person. Still take some time out for the person. You don't know what anybody will become. And as for the children, as for the children, 
that's your best shot. Anybody who can talk to children about Christ. Think about it. I mean, so some of us, our children go upstairs and we are church members. That man who used to gather these children. And you see, it was a town in Ghana which was tribalist. For those of you who know Akosombo, back in the day, Akosombo was a tribalist place. I, I actually grew up before I knew that there were different tribes in Ghana. You get what I'm saying? I, Nakusumbo, I, 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 it took me a while to remember that. Ah, so the Athens were fanties. These people were this. this. Because it was a tribeless place. Most of us did not come from the area. You came there to work for the university, for the Volta River Authority, for the hospital. You, everybody came from somewhere. Lady Pastor Yvonne, that's why I know Lady Pastor Yvonne. That's, you, you know what I'm saying? Everybody comes. And this man could gather children across tribes. And you know, when you want to gather children whose parents don't go to church, they, they never protest to. <laughs> the whole of Sunday morning, this young man with nothing to do, he has come from the States, he wears gloves. My, they used to joke that, I mean, why? It's, I, I remember I heard my mom saying that, is his steering wheel slippery, you know? Because he used to wear gloves to drive. He used to wear leather gloves to drive. As weird as he seemed to them, as weird as he seemed to them, he preached to so many children. And he had everything more than, for those times, if it was social media, he had it. He had all these large felt boards. He could put all these Bible characters up on the board. He could make the stories come alive. He could have quizzes. What do you do that will stop somebody from being destroyed, from becoming a pillar of salt? You see, even a child that you spend time on, you're saving a child. You are saving the grown-up, the person will become. You are saving the mother, the person will become. So you are saving her children. You are saving so many people. Don't think that anyone is too unimportant for you to save from becoming a pillar of salt. It's not enough that you are no longer in danger of becoming a pillar of salt. You and I have to stop other people from becoming a pillar of salt. No matter who the person is, a soul is a soul, is a soul, and is precious to God. And the thing about growing older is that sometimes you can be filled with so many offenses and be so hurt and be so full of what has been done to me and what wasn't done to me and all that. It doesn't help you. It doesn't take you anywhere. It doesn't fulfill the will of God. People are becoming pillars of salt around us. People, we can save people. When Billy Graham was saved, he was 13. That, 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 that day, we, were, we are told that one person came forward to give their life to Christ. 13-year-old Billy Graham. Can you imagine how that preacher felt that day? One 13-year-old boy who ended up preaching the gospel more than anybody else before him. So it doesn't matter where you and I are. Don't become a pillar of salt yourself and help other people. From the youngest child to the oldest person, people need the Lord. Let's pray. Pray for yourself briefly as we close. Pray about any part of this message about Lot's wife. Remember her because those three words, remember Lot's wife, they are the words of Jesus. Like yeah, remember, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. If you are here, you've never given like your life to you. Jesus Christ. 
I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you this opportunity. I want to pray with you. As we close this service today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I don't want you to be destroyed. I don't want you to be destroyed in your sin. I don't want you to become a pillar of salt. I want you to come to the living water. I want you to come to the living world. I want you to be changed because he so loved you that he gave his life for you on that cross that you and I might be saved. I want to be a vessel Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for our salvation. We thank you that because of your great grace, because of this great salvation, that we are saved, that we are born again. It is our prayer, Lord, that today you will make us instruments of your love. Make us people, Lord, who love and serve you, who tell others about Jesus, who preach the pure word of salvation, the pure word of salvation the pure word of salvation. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We hope that you've been blessed. Come join us for any of our services. Contact us on lci.newyork at gmail.com and visit us on the web at www.lcimanhattan.com.